everyone. It's Gomer here. I wanted to add this quick message to the beginning of the show. Mafrad hopped on a plane to go to Poland and eventually the Ukraine right now in order to help Ukrainian orphans and displaced refugees. His buddy, Father Jason, who's the pastor of Holy Trinity Ukrainian Catholic Church in Carnegie, Pennsylvania, is on a rescue mission over there in Ukraine. And he's helping these orphans escape the war-torn country. So one of the things that Matt did was he's using his own money to go help Father Jason. If you want to make a donation, it does not go to Pints with Aquinas. It does not go to Matt Frad in any way, shape, or form. He is adamant about that. You can see some of his videos that he's posted so far on YouTube. But uh, when you go to pintswithaquinas.com slash Ukraine, he shows you how to make a donation directly to Ukrainian Catholic Church and get the money to these orphans. This is not at all about Matt Frad making money. He will not get a penny off of this. He is spending his own stuff. Help Father Jason's mission to rescue orphans and assisting displaced refugees. Pintswithaquinas.com slash Ukraine. Uh, so this book that I'm reading, that Burnout Society book oh, yeah, that yeah, I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that quote this, was great. He has this great like part where he's just talking about what Wait, it's hey, like to – Time out. Do people know you're reading this book? What do you, I don't know. I don't know either. Should you give a quick little like – not don't like just say the, what yeah. book you're reading. I'm reading uh, The Burnout Society by Byung-Chul Han, a, ah. a, a philosopher who apparently is Catholic, but he is a German, half German, half Korean – all brilliant, very difficult to read. He is very Heideggerian in that regard, apparently. Uh, as someone told me, I don't even know what the hell that means. But uh, very dense. But he has these insights that are incredible. And one of them was, like, we move from the peer, a state of hyperactivity to a state of hyperpassivity in in a uh, burnout society. Really? And today I was reading. Yeah. Did, did we not talk about that? Ah, uh, everything's a blur. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. But that phrase, so he, uh, you had actually touched on it where you had mentioned something about, like, depression. I, I can't remember if it was in the earlier part of this current episode or it was last week's. <laughs> or just talks, real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or in real life. But he talks about how depression is a symptom of this burnout, a society that is burnout. And he describes a society that is burnout is one that is... Uh, basically slammed with never-ending positivity. And he said there is nothing that encapsulates the society more than the phrase, yes, we can. And he said, and that is like the worst thing a human being could do because in order to be truly human, we need to be contemplatives. And uh, his approach, he, he quotes Nietzsche, who I had no idea said any of this stuff. But Nietzsche was saying... I just live anti-God this, anti-God that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was a little bit more complex than that, but yeah, no, basically. And uh, he said, um, he, he had this great line where he was contrasting the, the active life with the contemplative life, Nietzsche was, and he was saying the problem with the active life is you think you're doing something, but all you are is responding to stimulus. And so his big assertion was the way to become active is through the way of negation or excuse me, the way to become contemplative is by the way of negation because you have to learn what not to take in, what not to respond to, and how to cancel stimulus before you can even begin to truly contemplate. And I thought that was so fascinating. And then mm. this Byun Chul Han guy is taking these quotes and he's saying, and our modern you know, world, as long as you remain plugged into it and doing the modern things, 
um, you're going to burn out. You're going to be so consumed by this society that you will just oscillate from stimulus to stimulus, whether it's in hyperactivity or in hyperpassivity. And right now he's talking about uh, the state of being tired, and he's contrasting two different types of tired. One is the tiredness of like I, I don't really know how to put it because he's so dense in the way he this this is the kind of philosophy that like first year philosophy students it's what turns them off to philosophy because it's so hard to stay with like what is he saying? But there is a sense of tiredness that is good. I would imagine it's like when you do like physical labor mm-hmm. and you're just yeah. spent, but you're like mm-hmm. there's something in the world that's different. Because of what you did versus the kind of tiredness where you come home from like a bunch of meetings and a bunch of emails and you can't rub two brain cells together to get a spark, but you don't really know what you accomplished. And he's saying like one kind of tiredness is actually the fruit of creativity and leads to relationships and is the best way like being tired together is one of the noblest thing friends and family can do. The other kind is divisive, and it leads to That's isolation and loneliness. I know. And I'm reading this, and I'm huh. like, good Lord, you are telling me my life. And then the whole time in this chapter, as he's talking about tiredness, the whole time I'm just thinking, looky, you look tired. <laughs> you should do, do the, the sniffy. You don't pay attention to lyrics besides sparks that you can obviously tell, so you weren't quite sure if I was referring <laughs> to cocaine or <laughs> <laughs> you know, it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, – and I, this might, this is the thread that I That's might not beautiful. be able to tie to this. Uh, but I love this. I first heard this from uh, – Jim Beckman had uh, shared this quote when comparing doing your ministry like a, like, a, like, a, like Reservoir as opposed to a oh, canal. Yeah. But I love this quote. I, I love this quote from St. Bernard of Clairvaux, a 12th of century French abbot. The one who is wise, therefore, will see his life as more like a uh, reservoir than a canal. The canal simultaneously pours out what it receives. The reservoir retains the water till it is filled. Then it discharges the the overflow without loss to itself. Today, there are many in the church who act like canals. Their 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 own reservoirs are far are far too rare. You too must learn to await this. You too must learn to await this fullness before pouring out your gifts. Do not try to be more generous than God. I've always thought of this in terms of the the interior life. That's how it was presented. How we discussed it, uh, from what I recall, and I, I it's kind of it just reminded me of that because I think to a certain extent, especially this last line, um, you must learn to await this. You must learn to await this fullness before pouring out your gifts. Do not try to be more generous in God. Like the importance of the sabbatical on Sunday, like how and. It, like when, when you're talking about the burnout, it just reminds you of the dog that they just like, you know, kind of like, like they are like just I'm shocked if I just stopped and just like just like took it, you know, and how if we actually take time to um, I, 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 like this sounds very easy, but I think there's something deeper that we need to un, that we need to unpack a bit, which is when do you ever what does it mean to actually really stop? Because if that must mean we have to, it's, it's not a, like this is the part that kind of gets weird. I think we think that the fullness is often prayer, but I'm wondering if prayer is to a certain extent uh, part of that. And there are other things that are 
part of the prayer that like fill you up, if that makes sense. Prayer is the essential part, but there's kind of this like rhythm of the church that I think we tend to forget or we ignore, we don't think is important because the, our culture has completely disregarded it. Yeah, and I, mean, I think when you have a culture that is obsessed with accomplishments and side hustles and go, 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 do, 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 accomplish, accomplish, um, we don't we don't have time for the other, you know? We really don't. We don't have time for other people in our lives to factor into a significant equation. And uh, it's my hope that I can figure out how to do that. Right now, um, I know that COVID has forced a lot of Americans to reprioritize their lives um, in good ways and in bad ways, you know, lost a job or whatever um, in the bad ways. But in the good ways, it's been people who um, – some of whom are able to take less pay and work remotely and accomplish things. Um, you know, they're able to have a like lifestyle adjustment and it is my hope that people are able to slow down because the pace that I was doing three years ago, um, would have been sure that, you know, that my kids wouldn't have known me. I mean, like I was on that pace and I didn't recognize it as such because I had dinner at home most nights. You know, like that was kind of like my metric, like, well, four out of seven is fine. I'm gone on the weekends. I I teach a couple nights here and there. But now that my job responsibilities at Worky Work has like grown to a mammoth proportion, I just have to cut back on everything, on on so many things. I have to be super selective of what I do outside church because if I'm, yeah, because I just, I'll, I'll be gone always. Because the jobby job stuff is so constant. And so um, I honestly think the best thing I can do for myself is maybe every two months have a really fruitful Sunday with my family, like all day beautiful, and then take Monday off and just spend the whole day in prayer like I did three weeks ago or two weeks ago. Um, Just collecting myself and just being able to do, you know, five hours of holy hour and confession and mass um, going to a lunch place that I love, Jake's Philly Cheesesteaks in Houston. Oh, yeah. Well, th- like it just, that for me has sustained me in all the craziness that's going on in my life right now. And my wife, like all of us, all of us I feel like are better now that we did that. Mm-hmm. And I just realized my tea bag broke inside my cup. Hot water. <laughs> I got all the little tea leaf chunks in my mouth. It's gross. How many unread emails do you have sitting in your inbox? Are you wasting hours and hours of your day procrastinating? Did they do they know us? Did, is, are they like <laughs> this written by a friend of mine? Did Kate, did Kate write this? If you're having trouble getting it done or even getting started, thesis can help. Have you left us? <laughs> 35 envelopes with stickers in your glove box for six months. <laughs> Good Lord, I really did that. Uh, uh, it's okay. No, but it's uh, not a, it's not a replacement for anything um, like Adderall or anything like that, but it's for people who might have a hard time with Adderall or Adderall, have some like um, uh, bad, you know, have bad effects on them or, or, or something. Uh, I was able to speak with the, um, the CEO, really cool guy, really like he like loved, um, he loved what we were doing. Uh, he, he was, he thought this would be a good, a good place for him to, to start to push with, with, what they're doing. He started nice. this on his own because he had some real, um, he just had a lot of issues trying to focus and it really impacted his life in a, in a, in a, in a pretty adverse way. And he's like, I just tried Adderall and stuff and it really um, messed me up and like yeah. this stuff helped 
And so, um, is, 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 you know, like he said, like there are some people where like, you know, like Adderall does work and he goes, and that's great. Uh, he goes, there's some people where it, you know, it doesn't work. And this is, a, this is a, not really, it's not meant to be even an alternative to that, nor is it meant to be a replacement for that. It's just another option. Uh, it's called like a, um, a necromance or something like that. I forget the exact term. I don't, I don't <laughs> a necromance? Did you just call it yeah, a necromance? Yeah, that's Yeah, what, what is that? It's early. <laughs> no, necro means dead. It, like yeah, the necromance. Right. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like for instance, Luke, for, for about a year and a half, you were a necrophiliac, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. no, this is yeah, based yeah. on the science of nootropics, which are natural, Thank you. natural, <laughs> and powerful ingredients like caffeine, ginseng, and B12. That I was like, you know, necrom something. It's, it's, it's early. It is early. It is early. I will give you that. Luke, you know what you need? You need some thesis in your life. You need some nootropics to help I like, cut no, through well, the brain fog. Like, yeah, I was super. I was super impressed with them. They're very great. Um, he's gonna send a box over to Aaron. I told him how like Aaron thought it was kind of cool. He goes, "Oh, like I'll send a box over to over to um, your wife." And just like great story, great people trying to do good, good, good stuff. So if you have um, if you have a hard time trying to focus, this could be some. This could be something that could really help um, help you out in a way that's like pretty natural and stuff. Yeah. So why don't you tell them where they can find out more stuff and say the things that I didn't say? I don't have a copy in front of me. <laughs> Okay, so this stuff is based on the science of nootropics, not necrophilia, which are natural, powerful <laughs> ingredients like caffeine, ginseng, and B12 that increase productivity, focus, energy, mental clarity, feel energized without the crash. Let's be honest, I feel that way after my third cup of coffee in the morning. Cut through brain fog to think clearly or get a little motivation to find your flow. That's my favorite one. Uh, take the three-minute online quiz, and Thesis will recommend high-quality nootropic formulas that are unique to you and your goals. Over 60,000 entrepreneurs, lawyers, engineers, busy professionals, and parents have used Thesis to get better results at work and home. Imagine what you could do. So right now, uh, Thesis is offering our listeners a special gift of 10% off your first starter kit when you visit TakeThesis.com, T-H-E-S-I-S, TakeThesis.com slash boxes. You go there and you take this quiz to discover your unique nootropic combination and save 10%. TakeThesis.com slash foxes. Make sure you go and use that URL so we can they can track that you came from us. Uh, thanks to fine folks at uh, Thesis for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. Love this uh, line that you shared. Um, tiredness makes you uh, younger than you have ever been. Everything becomes extraordinary in the tranquility of tiredness. I, I've been thinking about this, like, wh- like what he with them. I'm, I, I lack all the context. For this, so this is the last <laughs> thing I should do, but I'm going to because, damn it, this is a podcast. What, what are you here for? Planned out thoughts. <laughs> Um, Get out. <laughs> yeah. If you want that, everyone better up their um, Patreon to about $100 a month. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we could quit. <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, yeah. So like, so here's here's what I mean by that. Is, um, it reminds me like a like a little bit of when I was in Boy Scouts and we used to hike and I'd be like, oh, God, why? And I still, to a certain extent, don't, never really liked it. I mean, I liked it, but I, I, I like the camaraderie more than I did the actual like. And there are certain I like parts of hiking. I just don't ever. I don't mind going for, for like a mile <laughs> hike, but don't ever ask me to do anything other than that. You know, uh, I get why people all like it, but there is this thing about it where you're just like, I just did all that, and I I understand that like tiredness makes you younger. Part or I I'm, I'm kind of comparing it to the most I'm a physical exertion that I've ever done. There's a exhaustion that comes along with that and there's also like that kind of like a you get this weird like endorphin as well but there's this thing when you're so tired where it's like nothing matters like and you're literally helpless until you feel better there's i mean obviously like you can sleep you can try to eat well but for the most part you just can't do much until you're not tired anymore 
it breaks you to a certain point and makes you actually somewhat dependent on yeah. a lot of things outside of yourself. And you have nothing to – there's really – actually, there's not much you can do besides be receptive to those things. Yeah. Like just think of like when you're exhausted from a, a good whatever outdoors and you're sweaty and you're gross and you sit down in the chair where you groan all the way down into the chair – and you're like, oh, man, I am never getting up. And then someone hands you a cold beverage, whether it's a water, a beer, a, you know, Coca-Cola, whatever. Popsicle. <laughs> a delicious popsicle. But that thing is extraordinary, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. all day outside work, and then you get something beautiful and cold. That thing is extraordinary. And that was the line that he said. You become younger than you've ever been. Everything becomes extraordinary in the tranquility of tiredness. <laughs> well, and it's just funny how, like, um, we're just kind of numb to a lot of things now. Yes. You know, and we're, we're just, and it's just, it's weird. It's super weird how, um, I don't, like, you know, that, that like, the, uh, I'm saying this because I'm so burnt out. And I'm so tired, uh, mostly because I'm old and don't take care of myself. But our whole, the way we exist, it's 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 so it's so interesting. It's either like extreme comfort or like exertion beyond actual reason. And it's you don't see it until you, I feel like you can really kind of step back. But like both are terrible for you. Mm-hmm. Like both are terrible for you. Like there's a there's a um like you remember when we were in college at our house. It's great when we hang out, watch watch some stuff, do whatever. And then you kind of get to the point where it's like, Ugh. Yeah. You know, and it's just like it, it there's a like a sadness to that. I remember one point in time Father John, then Aaron Little comes to our house and was like, There's a sadness here. <laughs> we were like, what? <laughs> And I think we were just a little bit out of order, you know, and you could just and there's also like just wood paneling everywhere. But um, the, the when that's there's just this thing of like, you know, when I look back on the summer of 2006, one thing I loved about that was we had everything was kind of in perfect balance to a certain extent. We were in school. We were going to mass. We were praying and we were like um, partying all in perfect balance. And it was wonderful. Now, it's a summer. It's a college. It's a little bit easier to kind of kind of do all those things. It's not real life, obviously. But I, it's it's like work. It's 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 this it's this culture of like work all day, and then Friday night drink till almost four a.m. <laughs> like I guarantee you, I saw way less eight a.m.s on a almost Saturday morning in our twenties than you did. Oh yeah, like without doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, <laughs> and. I'm not saying that, like, that's, like, a terrible way to live your life, but I am, like, saying you know, there's, there's probably a bit of, like, mm, like w- that's kind of the norm, though, if you're single, is to just party your ass off on a, on a Friday night. When you're 20, it's like, what else are you going to do? And there's a, there's a, it's a blast. Don't get me wrong. It was an absolute blast. But there is this, like, there, um, it can become too much. And I, I think part of it is this idea of, like, Rest is like still seen as a thing that you do as opposed to a thing that you receive. So it's never really rest, right? It's just more exertion. I don't know if I said that word right. Just in another form. Yeah. So one of the tiredness, this is how he goes on to describe it. He says uh, this uh, 
Hanky's tiredness is not an eye tiredness. It's not the tiredness of an exhausted ego. He calls it a we tiredness. I am not tired of you, as he puts it, but rather I am tired with you. And when you think about that, like, think about the difference in tiredness of being tired of a person. I'm so sick of you. I'm sick and tired of you. Get out. Right? Like, that's one form of exhaustion. That's what he's saying is the negative form that we don't want. But the other form is the, like, man, we spent, you know, all day together and it was awesome. And and all we can do is collapse on this cold, you know, linoleum floor and not move for a while. You ever done that? You ever work outside and you go inside to, like, a cold tile and you're like, I am laying down on this tile and I am not moving because it is no, ice cold. I never work outside. Um <laughs> no, I, I haven't. <laughs> I'm not gonna be honest. I don't. Well, but. like, like you think of like a like you play a game of basketball, and then yeah, you go yeah, into yeah, a yeah. garage, and they have a cement floor, you know, and it's for some reason it is always ice cold. So you just yeah. lay down. And you're like, oh, 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 oh. yeah, that's the <laughs> wee tired. That's what I love. Hey everyone, it's Luke, and I'm here to tell you about a first for Catching Foxes, and Catholic escape game. The makers of Catholic Card Game and Council at Daybreak have made a Lent-themed escape game experience that you can play at home with your friends and family. Oh, that's kind of cool. Or perhaps some girl that you have that you have a crush on. Be a man, have the whole thing arranged for all your friends, but in reality, it's just for a chance to talk with that girl who probably isn't into you anyways because you've already been friend-zoned. There are 12 pages of puzzles and riddles and clues to solve, and it's all themed for Lent. They made both a, a novice and expert on, uh, on version of you can get both with your purchase. You can be an expert, but play the novice with the girl that has friends on you. It's only $10, which is one-third the cost of any escape experience. It will take you anywhere from 40 minutes to over an hour. This sounds awesome. I didn't realize like escape room like games are a thing. I'm intrigued, and I think I'm probably going to buy this. And how would you buy this, Luke? Well, Luke, I'm glad you asked. Go to CatholicCardGame.com, and you can buy your own Catholic escape game this is so cool catholiccardgame.com and buy your own catholic escape game what a fun thing to do during lent see lent doesn't always have to be like oh i hate my life catholiccardgame.com you can get your own version of a catholic escape game for only 10 bucks which is great it's a great thing to do with all of your friends a good thing to do and not be sinful catholiccardgame.com Thank you to Catholic Card Game and the Catholic Escape Game for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. So I'm, I'm writing a, a tour of the church for my parish, like the self-guided tour of the church. Mm-hmm. And my wife does it for our, our elementary school kids. And I got a hold of it before she sent it out. And like all things that my wife does, it is a disgustingly ugly Word document. And so I stay up till midnight redoing it into a beautiful pages document. And then <laughs> You're such about, a piece of shit. <laughs> I know. And then at about 1145, I start actually reading the content, not just laying it out beautifully. And I'm like, oh, this will not do. And so now I start rewriting everything in the middle of the night. And, um, and I added a thing about sacredness and reverence and all this stuff because kids are going to be taking this tour. Little kids, little second graders, uh, yeah. the tour of the church with a parent, you know, and you, you still want to mm-hmm. keep the sacred space sacred. Yeah, no, so, I'm, I'm just kidding about you being yeah. a piece of shit. But no, I, I'm, no, I mean, you're not wrong. Um, and so as I'm uh, putting all this stuff together, I'm, like, getting all these, like, thoughts and ideas. So today I started working on a project for, like, a, hey, here's a guide to our church. And in the beginning, I'm going to write a little article on what does it mean for a place to be holy. And as I'm reflecting on just Genesis chapter 1 um, and 2, the idea of, like, God made um, the the Garden of Eden was a temple, right? So 
if you're living with the tabernacle or the temple, you look back at Adam and you say, oh, that's what the Garden of Eden was. It was a temple. And because that's where God's presence dwelt to humanity and then sin destroyed and chased away God's presence, essentially. And when I started looking at it, I was like, oh, so that sanctified space. What sanctified time was the Sabbath day, right? And it's like, and it's interesting that the way you make the Sabbath day holy is by doing two things. One is you have to rest from work. And then two is you have to offer divine worship, right? And uh, I always, I, I never really thought of those things as two separate things, right? Like, oh yeah, Sunday's a day of rest. Sunday's a day of rest. Sunday's a day of rest. And in our family, we try our darndest to not um, go to a store, to not have to pay money on a Sunday for anything, right? So we try to get all of our gas tanks filled and all of our grocery shopping done or whatever. Um, sometimes we fail and we stop at a gas station, you know, whatever. But uh, it is amazing how, like, I can't enter into rest, or excuse me, I can't enter into worship until I've honestly entered into rest. And I do think there's a lot of wisdom in them Jews who start the day at sundown mm -hmm. because it's really, really hard to worship early in the morning if you're plugged in the whole night before. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And now that we have electricity and lights and now that we have access to entertainment 24-7, that proposition is a lot more difficult to deal with. And it's like how and this is what sucks, right? It's like my Saturday night really does affect my Sunday morning unless I push mass off later and later on Sunday morning. But then am I really treating Sunday morning the best? Am I truly resting or am I, let's be honest, recuperating or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, and so I begin to think about this and it's like, why, why did God command rest in order to enter into worship? And it's like, because let's be honest we tend to worship the things that we create with our hands. You know, Cain did. He named a son Enoch, and then he built a city, and he named the city Enoch. And Enoch means consecration. It's like, what the hell is this evil guy naming his son consecration? And Scott on says, well, it's because he's consecrating the work of his hands, mm -hmm. not his God, not to God, mm -hmm. but to himself. And you're like, oh, 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 oh damn. Hmm. That's insightful, Luke. Rest and worship, Luke. I, it's it's funny how I, I feel like as I've um, – college is kind of a hard time to do this because you're young and you're stupid and you don't know. We had hints of it, I think. Like I remember we used to have a party at our house in the projects uh, on Easter. That was always fun. And by always, I mean, you know, I, I did it twice. But um, – <laughs> yeah. It's not until you kind of get a little bit older and you see a little bit more of a need. And the priest that I used to know out in Denver, the, one of the guys that all married us, uh, Father uh, Lewis, who was just wonderful, would talk about like, you know, on, on Sunday, get out the best wine, sit, like bring over your friends, do make it a thing, make yeah. it a thing. Yeah. And it, there's this part of it's always like, well, what do you do? And then it's just like, you just kind of do whatever. You play cards, you hang out, you talk. And it's just kind of made to be like that. I think a day of like, especially when it's with um, people and when you are, are a single that can still be your friends. It can still be your, your family. It can be your, your extended on family. It's not, it just, well, I think what really matters is you take the time to be with people with zero expectations. Mm. Yeah. Cause that's the thing, right? It's, it's like, that's the idea of like, like reservoirs. You can't, 
you just kind of have to wait. And that, for the most part, is going to come, I think, I love the idea of, like, through other people. It doesn't have to be a large group. It can be a small group. It can be hanging out in your living room and you're both um, reading a book. But something where you're, like, kind of um, turning the world off for a bit. Because if you think about it, in creation, that's what happens. Like, God creates the world and then he stops. Yeah. And the world's existing, but he's not, like, working on it. Person, you know, this is a terrible yeah, analogy, yeah. and I'm no, not no, no. A I think it's awesome. But Keep like, going. like it's not you're not doing anything, anything, anything at all, because you honestly like. It's, it, okay, okay, I'm gonna even take this one, one step on further. You're being truly the church that we are because you are being receptive, which is such a clash of values for Americans because in our techne driven Western, in like enlightenment created godforsaken hellhole we have no concept like we 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 i mean we don't even pity that like we mock that we mock that like how much lent stuff is for ourselves which is to a certain extent the point to a certain but then it stops there like there's this great line from hans Erwin balthasar in his book on the light of the world where he's reflecting on the readings of lent during this last part he says one can fast in many um, ways by uh, by abstaining from food, comforts of all sorts, um, like friends or or like uh, sleep, in order to give attention to the poor, um, needy, and and handicapped. That is those who cannot pay us back. How much of our Lent is focused on those who cannot pay us back, and how much of it is just glorified um, self improvement? Yeah. Oh, totally. Which um, Balthazar also um, talks about how, like, the one of the, during, when he's going over all of, of these um, uh, readings, it's for us. It's for us to do that. Like, if we're going to even said, I love this line. Uh, let me say it. I want to make sure that I get this part right because it's just so good. Uh, it's so good. Um, ba, 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 ba. Of course, now I'm not going to be able to find it because I'm a. Give me just, just, just a second. I'm so sorry about this. <laughs> Where is that part? Sorry. Hold, please. You're good. Ah, though we are free to repent whenever we will, obedience to the church means that we do it now within the framework of the of the of liturgical year. So there's a sense of like, I'm doing this now because I am told to do it. Which I think is really good for all of us to do a thing that we cannot, we don't have a choice whether we do yeah. this or not if we want to be obedient to the church. Of course, it's a free yes that we are, we have free will to choose this, but it can be very much like not what I want to do right, right now. Yeah. And, but when it becomes all about yourself and just glorified, like I'm a self and like, uh, Balthazar also has this line where he says, "The path towards the discovery of self, or something." I, mean, I am, I am, I'm botching this. Is the path towards the loss of God? Oh, sorry, the road towards self improvement, or or, 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 or or whatever, is the road to to like the loss of God. And if it just becomes that, like we lose the whole point, which is where the person who is on fasting and just tells everyone about it. Because it's not an, an internal change that is going on, and which means it needs to be ultimately geared for other people where we don't get anything anything out of it. And here's the weird thing is that when you do something that you don't get anything out of, it actually makes you a better – like it, that's replenishing to you some – like it's kind of one of the weird – I don't know if paradox is the right word, but – 
paradox of the of the faith. The first shall be last. The last the last shall be first. Give in order to receive. Like you, in order to give, you have to like in order to. Re- Sorry, let me back up really, really, really quick. In order to truly grow and be who we are, we have to take time to not do a thing. Mm-hmm. And then in order to really grow into and, and part of and also part of that growth involves doing things for others and not counting the cost of that or expecting to be paid back. Like how many of us would just give to people um, like would give to our friends if we if they just asked? Yeah. Like, what if we didn't do that? What if we had people over and just in, like, what if we what if we were a little bit more self conscious about like who am I spending these on Sundays with? Who has no one to spend a Sunday? Who's spending a Sunday alone, or, or something like that? Like, what if we're like inviting people over and it's like, I know you're weird, but like, ugh, whatever. I know you're weird, but you deserve not to be left alone. Exactly. On and the Lord's to, day. And, yeah, and to like for me to like shut the hell up and just get over the fact that I might think you're weird. You're probably not weird. I'm probably just being a douchebag. Probably. I don't. I, I just. I love this idea of, of of like of just like. Uh, I don't think unplugging is enough, because like ultimately what we'll do is we'll find another thing to plug into. We won't even realize that that's what we're doing. I think it helps. But if I just unplug and then I just, you know, um, like when we stopped the podcast over, we, we took our first for the first time in a very long time yeah. in December. We didn't we didn't release an episode. How many different ideas for shows did you have during that time? Oh, like the most I've ever exactly. had. Exactly. <laughs> which was which was to a certain extent great because we, yeah. uh, we gave our brains a rest and we were instantly more creative. Mm-hmm. The challenge w- is. That wasn't what we were supposed to be doing. Yeah. That was meant for like to be with friends and family and to give and give ourselves a bit of a break. So saying, I'll come back to this, but I need this to just be with people right, right. Yeah. Now. Which is what we did. We ended up not talking to each other almost yeah. at all. Yeah. That yeah. whole time. Except a couple of exchanges via text and then Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. You know, I mean that's that's the um that's my fear in the, uh, the Cal Newport guy, you know, great deep work, all that stuff. But one of the things that he talks about with deep work is our problem is not like I need to take a sabbatical from technology and then I'm going to go right back into my technology fueled, you know, adrenaline rush. Like, yeah, it might be better for you overall to take sabbaticals where, you know, I'm taking the month of August and getting off the Internet which is Dave Rubin and Matt Frad, right? Like, but he talks about there's tons of tech bloggers that do that in the month of August. And the idea of doing that is great. And they all, like all these tech bloggers talk about how like peaceful they feel and relaxed they feel and how their anxiety went down. But then September, they jump back into it. And uh, he's like, no, that's not what you do. You have to be a digital minimalist. You have to cut this stuff out because it owns you. And even if you take a sabbatical, it's not enough. Something has to fundamentally change. And um, I, I love the idea of, okay, winnowing down because the more commitments I have, the less I can be present. The more demands on me from people who aren't my family, the less time my family has for me, but also the less mental energy I can give my family. I mean, Luke, you and I both know how the moment our kids or our spouses become exhausting – 
we start thinking about work or we check out with our phones and read articles or do whatever, right? Like this is the great escape, right? This is us running away from the present moment. But the problem was we were never fully in the present moment to begin with. We're only half there because we're exhausted. And so, yeah, my wife is annoying me. Yeah, my kids are annoying me. Yeah, everything is bothering me and everything is breaking. And I got to go do the yard work and someone take the dog outside and blah, right? And it just blows up. And it's like, well, you know, I never really wanted to be here in the first place. So, yeah. And then we can so easily think. And, th- and I think that's one of the reasons why we become workaholics is because it's easy to remove ourselves and plug into these quantifiable situations where I'm only one thing to a bunch of people. I don't have to be everything to a couple people. Right? But think well, about the beautiful yeah. tiredness that comes from being everything to being the world to my Noah or to my Thomas or to my Cecilia or to my Kadiri or to my Shannon, right? Like to be the world to one another is always more rewarding than to be the director of evangelization to 6,000 people or 6,000 families. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a given. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, and and, like, hmm. Hmm. There's a line from Heidegger where he says, Sabbath, um, speaking with Heidegger, it is a day free of all in order to, of all care. So, you know, Monday through Saturday, you know, that's the days of in order to. I get up in order to work, I you know, whatever. And he said, uh, it's a matter of interval. After God created it, God declared the seventh day holy. That is, the day of in order to is not sacred, but rather the day of not to. A day on which the use of the useless proves possible. A day of tiredness. <laughs> God's paradise is a utilitarian hell. I know, right? It really stole is. That, stole that line from Catholic stuff. Who stole it from? Well, and they still, they, they were, oh, shit, they were sharing it. Whole, yeah, they were doing a whole episode <laughs> on it. We don't share here. We steal. God's um, paradise is a utilitarian hell. Yeah, I love that line. I love that line. All right, Buckaroos, here we go. It's a new BetterHelp ad read. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. We talk about BetterHelp a lot on the show, and this month we're discussing some of the stigmas around a mental health. There are a lot of people that think if you're in therapy, it means that there's something wrong with you, but that's wrong too. It means that you recognize that all humans have emotions. We can't avoid them, so we need to learn how to manage them. I love that part. We've been taught that, that a mental health shouldn't be part of normal life, which is also wrong. We take care of our bodies with the gym, the doctor, and nutrition. We should be focusing on our minds just as much as we focus on our body. So as a lot of you guys know, I went to therapy a couple, like probably started maybe two years ago. It was a fantastic experience. I find that it's just, uh, just get up, like helps you on the process. A lot of the junk that's, that's happened. And a lot of, and even like part of the good stuff too. What are some um, good things that are going on in your life? You need to recognize, or just, just having an outside voice walk with you as you process stuff is really very, very cool. And I want to, the great thing about better help is that it is a much more um, affordable than in-person um, therapy. And you can be matched with the therapist in under 48 hours. I want you to give BetterHelp a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. This podcast is, is, is spotted by, by BetterHelp and Catching Foxes I'm a, and Catching Foxes listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash foxes. Thank you to BetterHelp for once again sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. Because think about how boring, when, think of, when you're a kid, think of how boring math can be. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. How many kids throughout, I don't care what type of liturgy it is or just anything, because you're a kid, you're like a selfish douche. Mass is boring. It feels, <laughs> you don't know, you don't, you don't know what's going on. You know, I mean, and you get used to it. And it just becomes a thing that you go to. Yeah. You know, and you like you hear it from people who were there at the at you know the, the old stuff. How boring it felt to them. Now, like a lot of that was yet priests who were doing it. You know, I was I was listening to clerically speaking because I didn't want to listen to any like uh, sports podcast or anything during the day to day. And they were talking about how like old guys doing the old masses go through in like I'm um, 15 minutes, and I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, sign me up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but like, you know, that's it. That's what you're experiencing. You know, like a someone who, it's not. You know, it's a mass, but it's not a perfectly said mass. Like, you know, after a while, it's like, why are we here? I don't know. I just love. I love the idea of you know, and I think that's what all this like modern like slow, slow eating, slow you know, whatever is trying to get at. Slow productivity. That's another day, Cal Newport thing. But I think there's the slowness is really an attempt culturally to create like this notion of like purposeful rest and purposeful work. Why am I doing it? If, if Sunday is nothing other than a second Saturday with an hour and a half missing because I gave that to God, right? If Sunday is nothing other than that, then I think we've failed Sunday. But if I can make Sunday a day of feasting and friends and family or a day of service and mercy, then I think that is what is going to be uniquely blessed. And that's what I love, honestly, about the charismatic um, community's use of the Lord's Day. Like, honestly, as cheesy as it was at times and as completely broken down as it was within AMTG's common room, like Lord's Days start, which for those of you who don't know, we use – Regular bread and it, Boone's yeah, family it's, farm it's, wine it's as a like a, 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 a faux liturgy, a devotional liturgy <laughs> to kick it, off Sunday when you do it Saturday I, at like four. I really like it. It is the hardest thing to explain to a person who has no concept of what you're doing. <laughs> and be like, I promise you it's not a cult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, just, it's a little bit like, okay, what was it? But like, no, you're right. There is something to that about like, you would, f- I mean, this is also probably just us. I never did homework after, like, we had a Lord's Day. Probably. Yeah, no, no, no. Because no. it was just like, it was, you just immediately kicked out. I did homework on on Sundays. But there was something, I think you're right about this idea of, like, okay, it's starting now. Yeah. You know? Like, it's it gives your brain this kind of permission to disengage <laughs> in, a, in a real healthy way. I just... I just realized <laughs> I think this is funny. But it's like, oh, that's called Vespers on Saturday night to lead you into Sunday worship. <laughs> like the church has been doing this for a thousand years. And we just did a charismatic version of that, which is fun. A lot more fun. A lot more chawing. Chaw. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is like, how do I inaugurate the Lord's Day? Why don't I go and do evening prayer? And uh, and then go and have a beautiful dinner with my friends and the, or family, and then yeah, and yeah. then like no, when I, I wake in the morning at sunlight, I do morning prayer and I gather my family. And we go off to mass. Like that is a beautiful. That's a beautiful twelve hours or whatever that would be. And then after that, right, you come home around noon or whatever. You come home from church. How can you go from noon to eight? And just give glory to God and and serve your neighbor. Like, what does that look like for me? It's potlucks. That that's the that's the language I speak because I know there are too many young adults that don't have 
And there's too many young families that they just don't have community. Yeah. And so I crack open the old house for them. To tell you my, my idea, and I still kind of like wish we'd done a little bit um, more of this, but we really didn't do it. We really didn't do it at all. But I, um, I, it was part of me that I was like, do I just try to go to the diet? This is when I was the director of the adult office and had no idea what I was supposed to be doing. Um, no one else told me, and it was literally just like, all right, here we go. <laughs> how much? How much money do I have? La, 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 la. <laughs> right, that's a thousand dollars. I'm living on this credit card, so I'll just uh, <laughs> see what happens. Um, <laughs> it's literally how it goes. Um, uh, I was like, do I like ask to like actually like do me and Aaron like buy a house and then just ask to maybe they not like pay our mortgage, but like is part of my pay towards the house of like, we'll have people over every week. You know what I mean? Like those every week we'll have people over, like part of our, my job will be just like having people over and it just becomes a place where people can, can go, which is kind of how I, how I would like orient just regardless. But like, is there a way to do that intentionally? So it's not just, just like bars, like, like, you know, like bars and church on basements or weird hikes. Like what's else we could do. That's not any of that stuff. <laughs> Well, what do you think would build the most friendships and family bonds? I see. I, I think the thing is, I, I don't know if you can really, if you can, if you can formalize that. I, I, I still, I'm, I'm not too sure. I, I think the, I think honestly, the most part is, um, you have to have that sense of like the. Okay, so the best way to do it is if you have like shared prayer, sh- if you have like uh, shared prayer, shared shared um, fellowship, shared um, mission, and you um, have shared learning. If you have all those things, you have a solid um, community, and it'll just it'll happen. Um, but from a practical that standpoint, sound, when you're... that sounds like your thing that you started. Was that like oh, yeah, the yeah, phrase? Yeah, 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 yeah. Shared no, prayer, exactly. shared mission, shared, shared fellowship. Yeah, shared yeah. Like it's that's the thing I stole directly from Jim Beckman. It's like if you want a community, you need at least. Uh, at least three of these four things, ideally all four. And it can get a little bit hard just from a logistical standpoint yeah. to like do each other's like warrant you just a parish. But if you if you can provide an opportunity for that on a consistent basis, things will happen. Because you're you're one creating proximity where people just they're just almost seeing each other over and over and over again. But then you're giving them a reason to like almost see each other and giving them a thing to do together. Yeah. And from that stuff will just start. And if I, that's why I love the idea of like a potluck or something because if you can do something where okay you've got the shared level of fellowship, you have a little bit of people who are on mission there, um, and then uh, what was the other one shared like shared fellowship sorry, learning? Yeah, there was another one. Shared mission fellowship prayer. learning prayer. That's that's right. Yeah, if you, if you do some of that, like you can you can get it going, especially over time, like time like. Time and regularity will take you very, very, very far with those things. So I, I know that's not a direct answer for what you are asking, but I, I think just giving um, – can you create a space where those things can can happen? And then when they do start to take a um, life on their own, how can you cultivate them? Yeah. Like, because I, I like, I love the idea of like, over just saying, like having a pot, like having um people over, giving, giving um people a space, and then where do they go from there? I'm not saying that you need to organize it. Need that, you yeah. Need to I, I would, it, no, you know, no, no, no. This is the hardest part because it is. for me, every time I have these potlucks, I am the guy who's like, okay, well, 
well, maybe at the end of the night, we'll pray a rosary together as a family. People are like, ah, I mean, yeah, I'm down. Okay. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You, you're saying the reason why you're here. You're here because I want this to not just be a bunch of people drinking good beer and eating some good barbecue and their kids are playing and we're all bitching about our spouses. Like, you can get that anywhere. What I want here is, is for that this to be a prayer? refuge. <laughs> yeah, it's all of that. But a little bit of Christian coding. Uh, no, but I want this to be a refuge. Right? Mm, I want you to yeah. come here and be like, huh. And the only way you get to be like, huh, is if this place is filled with rest. Right? And in resting in God, divine worship, the whole prayer thing is integral. I used to have these potlucks as a part of my inclusion program. So as people are preparing to become Catholic, I would pick one of the classes where I talk on the Beatitudes, invite every student and their families to come to my house. And it was a potluck. And my house comfortably holds about 20. And we would have 65 people show up. And most of them kids, Catholic. And so the kids are running upstairs, downstairs, doing all this craziness. And I'm trying to teach a class. and we're, But the one thing that always happens is we just have about five minutes of intercessory prayer together. We just pray. What, what are some needs that you guys have? What are some needs? And something crazy always happens. One woman was completely healed of her migraines and then has been trying to get pregnant for years, and she got pregnant in two weeks. Um, like things like that happen, and it's like – I know the Lord has confirmed it, but it's so hard to make that happen. And you can imagine having literally 65 people in your house, how exhausting that might be for, oh, I don't know, your introverted wife, all the cleaning you have to do afterwards. But it's like, that's a tiredness I want to work for. And I just got to figure out how to prioritize that better. Hmm. And it's hard for me to cultivate when things happen, I've seen good things happen when I do that. Uh, couples who are stuck in a rut, we invite them over with other couples because Lord knows that's not my thing. Uh, people are annoying. I can barely stand them. Don't make me do this. But I invite other people and all of a sudden the joy just bubbles up, you know, right? You got good people. They're joking. They're laughing. They're telling stories. We're all talking. You get a bunch of sports ball guys over to help deflect that part of the conversation away from me. People can enjoy themselves, right? And then from mm-hmm. that, I like what you said. Like, all you need is time, and then stuff can happen. You know, stuff can happen. Yeah. Guys, I am so freaking excited about this new sponsor for Catching on Foxes. I'm talking to you guys today about Executive Coach Solutions. They are a um, leadership consulting firm that brings creativity and strength-based training to the art of business management. ECS works with individuals to bring out their talents to enable them to be happier and more effective at work. I cannot emphasize that part enough. I had the chance to work with them back in 2018 and 2019. It was absolutely incredible. It made me so much better at my job. I have skill sets that I use to this day. When you invest in yourself, especially if you are like a priest or if you are at a parish, a lot of times as church workers, we always don't get that soft skill that we need in order to lead well. And this is what Executive Coach Solutions does. They provide you with those soft skills that you need to be a more effective leader. And I'm 100% happier at work than I was before I worked with them. I feel like I have the tools now to really talk with anyone that I work with about, about like anything. I have the ability to set goals, set 
set priorities, do things that, especially if you work in the church, people don't really provide you with any of the know-how on on how to do that. And they do such a great job that any, like even if you don't work for the church, this is actually primarily for people who work in a business setting, but it 100% applies to people who work at the church as well. This is really an opportunity for like anyone who listens to our podcast who wants to get better at their career. I encourage you 100%. You're going to get all the practical soft skills you wish you had you had learned when you work with them. So this is what I want you to do. Go to executivecoach.solution slash foxes and schedule a phone call. Talk about where you want your career to take you. You're going to be better at your job. They're going to give you the tools in order to do that. I really encourage you just just to go to their site, schedule a call, talk about where you want your career to take you. That website, again, is executivecoach.solution slash umfoxes and schedule a phone call today to talk about where you want your career to take you. I think the if if I could change like there's a lot of things I want to change, but um, when I was the adult directors, one thing that my core team was like, so I I knew that we I needed a um, in order for like this thing to grow, you need people. It needs to come from a community, right? So we started with like identified about twenty people, and I was like, out of twenty, if I can get twelve, we'll, we'll be good. And we got that amount, um, and it grew, right? And I. Well, you had the meetings, the diocese, which I liked, and like our meetings weren't really anything besides like, hey, like what do you see going on in the community? Here's what we're doing. I kind of just need you all to be friends. Like, like <laughs> that was kind of my bitch to them. I was like, it's gonna sound weird, but like, I we're not gonna probably get like a ton of stuff done at these things. <laughs> like, but that's not the point. It's not. It's actually just a chance to like come together, pray, talk about what's going on. I'll kind of keep you in the loop. I want you to tell me what what like you're hearing, and then that's kind of it. Like, we don't need to do a lot beyond that because we just need a core. We need some people who can, like, if I need help, I can go to you guys. You guys can, you know, like, like there's things that you can do. But, like, letting the friendships take the, like, letting the fellowship kind of take the lead as opposed to the mission. So the mission's what brought us in the room, but it was, like, the fellowship that got us to where we got, I think. Yeah. I, and oh, so I'm yeah. like through and like the like vehicle to that is your prayer because that's the we're con- we're continually just to, just discerning what's God doing in, in our lives together and then from that it just like obviously you got to have stuff that you're doing and, and we did but like we really didn't spend a lot of time talking about like how did mass go where is this where like we, like we would but it was more just like we're just gonna pray together and kind of hang out and and I was like just I think from what I'm like seeing and d- discerning it's kind of all we got to do. <laughs> and then the bulk of my time, I think, should have been spent just going out to lunch with them, going out to, out to coffee with them, going out to um, a lunch and coffee with others to, like, discern people, like, in and out of that group as people, like, unmoved on. Because now that group's gone and, and, like, people have unmoved. But from that came this big thing that if I had done these events and done an all call, we would have gotten some people. But it would have been, like, it wouldn't have the roots that got as fast as it did. Mm. And I, I think there is um, something, too, just, like... Sometimes we can be so mission driven, which I think is good, but like obviously like work exists before the fall. Work is good, but when like power and production become your thing or like we have to just like – like what if it was called to fail and we were all just supposed to experience that together? Mm. Like so many of the saints, like things didn't really go so well. Yeah. So you know? it's almost it's almost like when when people leave the seminary, uh, sometimes you know the vocations director says, "Well, sometimes you're not called to the priesthood; you're called to the seminary." 
Like it wasn't a failure because what God wanted was your experience of a time in formation, spiritual direction, an ordered prayer life, a little bit of philosophy and theology, maybe to make you the best kind of Christian that you can be out in the world. And it's like, maybe God called your group to this group, you know, like you're right. He could call it to fail, uh, but it's, it's not the success of the group. It's the sanctification of those in the group. So it wasn't really a failure. Luke, you have made me think. You have made me think about things. Because for Aristotle, friendship, the highest form of friendship is not utilitarian. Hey, we bring each other pleasure uh, or we're useful to each other. But is the friendship where the good life is the goal, right? We're growing in virtue together. And you could see that as like it's the mission that brings us together. But if we're not really friends in this thing, then the mission won't really happen. And then we'll just be driven on mission and not really as friends. Which is a, a canal and not a reservoir. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, that, and then yeah. you end in yeah. the hyper work, the hyperactivity. Like, I got to get this done. I got measurable goals. It's like, well, okay. It's the mission that we're all devoted to, but I yeah. can't do – I can't engage in the work. It's like I'm trying to engage in the work of the apostle without being a disciple, right? Like, I, you can't do that. And that's the whole point of the soul of the apostle. Like, if you try to be an apostle without being a disciple, God the Father owes his son Jesus to destroy your fake apostolate because it's not done in his name and for his glory. And it's like, oh, this is kind of like the mission is what draws us together. So it's the thing that we're looking at down the road. But if we aren't actually in communio, in communion with one another, if, if that friendship doesn't actually take root in a serious way, then it's almost like the mission is going to drive us externally and not internally you know what's really interesting too is i was so confident like the people like the group i got together and i i really only did this one time there were there were some seeds of it elsewhere but that was when i just it's when i had um a discerned out and i I have two thoughts i wanted uh, to share with you um so one is i i'd be curious to do this again to see how it worked I'm not going to, but but it would be because I was so confident with the group that I had. I remember getting all those twenty people or so in a room and pitching those this overall all, this overall vision, which for the most part, it, more of the nuances got more detail and more weight, and they became more clear. But the crux of it, like, never really changed. Um, and I remember pitching that, and there were two older guys that were in that room that were closer to my age, one in particular, and, like, one guy I really liked, and I knew he was on board with it, and the other dude I liked, but he was just like, mm, we've tried to do this before, and it has, like, um, never worked, and I was like, mm, you've never seen me try to do it, <laughs> and so, like, <laughs> uh, but, uh, hey, the Luke I know. <laughs> I know, right? I was like, oh, challenge accepted, motherfucker, so, but, <laughs> I mean, great guy, but I could just, I think he was kind of done, and I, I don't, I, I, and I totally, I get that. Uh, so, <laughs> but, um, I remember getting people like all those people in a room and being like, this is going to work. I, I, I was so confident. I was so confident in what God could do and like the faith that those people had and like the fact, like the brokenness that they had, but the fact that they like showed up anyways, I was like, I kind of don't care like where this goes. Cause I just know it's going to be good. Yeah, like I could tell you one thing that we decided in like any of those unknown meetings, but I can tell you everything that happened because they happened. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like, and it, and it, it was so, I, I remember trying to explain this to the guy who were like, who, who, um, who replaced me. I think he kind of got it. I'm not really too sure, but and perhaps he did, or he just didn't agree. But, um, cause he was like, well, like, what's the point of them? I'm like, well, I don't really know. It's just, it's just like, you need a group to like, you need a core, you need a core and people can come in and out of that core, all, but you need a core. And I, I could call upon any of those people at any point in time. And I knew they would always help me for yeah. whatever I needed just to. Be like, Luke, you're doing a great job, or Luke, you suck. You know, like, I could just go to them, and they could just be that. And I just had this confidence. I, I just – I knew they were going to be friends. So, like, Sarah Rose didn't know – didn't, like uh, – know, like, Sarah Rogers, and they became – I just – I knew they were – I just – I, like, knew that, like, the, the like – Emily Conklin was going to become friends with, with with the other people in that group, and I knew that, like Michael Obis and Ned had like had, had like a lot to offer the uh, the people there, and, and I knew like um, and Natalie and um, Luke Mary were going to just like take off and have some great ideas and some great energy. So getting them involved was like, gr- like it just it just was like oh this makes sense. Like it just it just it just made sense to have them all. It, to me, it was the most obvious thing that like this is who you want. Yeah, and it just and it, it was awesome. It just completely took off and it wasn't on perfect i'm sure there were times they're like what is the point of this and i was like oh i think i was pretty clear to be like i don't really know <laughs> <laughs> but and then i think there's another part too that's actually kind of important to this um sometimes it fails because of us and that's also okay so i agree with you too okay so here's what i mean but like your overall like seminary point i agree with you to a point Sometimes I think people still like might have a vocation or there might be something there, but like there's just like something they just can't get over or there's something like I do think our human freedom plays a little bit more into that. Perhaps not always. And I know I'm walking on dangerous ground ground here, but I'm just trying to like just like I'm walk with me for a bit. Um, I'll accompany you. <laughs> thank you. Uh <laughs> when there was uh, two tracks, that's when actually I fell. You tried to carry me, and then you f- you fell on top of me. But then, like, um, but like, like Matt Frad got there, and he's been working out a bunch, so he was so we were fine. Um, <laughs> that was when Matt Frad carried us, my son. <laughs> as in, uh, Matt Frad was just like, oh, I can do this, and I can up smoke a cigar. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a great Australian and, Right. And somehow, like, kind of look like a Byzantine monk. Um, <laughs> an attractive one at that. So, uh, Sometimes it fails because of us, and that's okay. Yeah. Like, like, like yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, like me and Brad were I'm, I'm talking about this the other day with some stuff, like, with, like, Via. And it's like, oh, if we had known that, that, that really would have changed some stuff that we had done. And it's like, yeah. Dang, <laughs> you know, but like, <laughs> but that's okay. Like that's it. I, I I don't know if like like God always. I mean, God is going to know what's going to happen, obviously. Totes. But I don't think He's there. Is like because you're going to choose A and it's not going to work, but then you're going to learn. Like it's like, what if you chose B? Then you, know? you would learn nothing and go to hell for all eternity. <laughs> you know Thank I mean? you, God, yeah, like, for like, letting me choose A. Yeah, like it's just kind of weird thing of like. You, sometimes it just like I don't know. Like if I had been in a better disposition, there are certain things that I think back on my time at the adult office. I'm like, oh, if I had just maybe like try to figure out a couple of these things, would I still be there? Mm-hmm. You know, like, like did God call? Did God call me out? Was He always going to call me out then, or is did the result of my choices lead to that moment? 
Yeah. I don't know, but I'm kind of okay with like either way. Yeah. Yeah. I well, I mean there there's a great line in Thomism that it God delights to work through secondary causes. Meaning, yes, he's the primary cause. He he sets all things in motion. He knows all things, works towards all ends, you know, whatever. But part of God's willing is to work through the freedom of his human beings, right? Like of, of self-moving creatures. Like that's why he created us. How do we have freedom if God decides the ultimate end? Because we honestly get to decide and our free decisions are a part of God's plan. And to try to figure out exactly how that works, therein lies madness. But that's the heart of it, right? Like, you're, you, you and I, I mean, let's, Gandalf said it best, man. Not even the wise know all ends. Looking at all of these things, well, what if I had done this? What if I had done that? If I had known this, maybe it would have, you know, we can't know this. This is the part of, like, the faithful praying part, Luke, that I think is so important. And the fact that you had someone like Brad with you in the around all of this and that you had someone a mentor like um uh what's his name why am i blanking on his name jim beckman jim Be- i was like jimmy no jimmy no jimmy, jimmy. as he loves to be called i'm sure <laughs> jimmy I, I just imagine him like i'm listening to our own podcast at some point in time i'm just being like this is the fruit of my work dear I, I lord know. i'm an atheist i know his wife loves our show or did at some point in time because she was like i love your show and i was like oh wow cool uh she's she, she, uh, she's great yeah. but uh, i could just see him just kind of being like that's really not my thing <laughs> <laughs> sorry oh, yeah. go on. no i just think that like the the having of Having the community of leaders and having a community of core and having people praying together, I think there's a, you know, there there is a great fear in stepping out in prayer, um, and letting that quote unquote take too much of their meeting time. I mean, I remember you telling me that you would meet with a youth minister, young adult minister, and you know, for an hour and a half, and thirty five to forty five minutes would be spent in prayer and where is God and what is God doing in your life. And I, I miss those days because sometimes I have those days and sometimes I – like right now I feel like if I see someone – if someone walks by my door my door is open, like I just lost an hour and I'm already behind, you know? Yeah. And so yeah, it's yeah, that yeah. constant like how do I get ahead when I can't breathe? What do I do now, you know? And so really, honestly, I'm in a good spot. I'm in a great spot. I got great people. We're making money moves in the future. Uh, and by money moves, I mean – just they're they're planning the people that I have in place. I am the luckiest man on the face of the earth. They're just such good people. They're executing so well. It, it just makes my heart. It makes my heart so um, so at ease. Even though there's a lot going on, because you got to. In the end, you can't do all things. You need the people. You need the fellowship. You need the fellowship. Yeah. I was at yeah. um, a, a deacons congress. Did I tell you about this? Uh, I mean, yes, but on the podcast, who knows? Okay, fair enough. And uh, uh, some of the deacons' wives had expressed to me how hard it is to watch their husbands get kind of slapped around by the church. And by the church, it means the laity. It can mean the, you know, a priest. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. that's the pastor of the church. It can mean any any number of things. Other deacons. And I said, uh, I was like, wow. So you guys really are like Samwise Gamgee. She was like, "What is that?" And I was like, "The dude from Lord of the Rings, like, right?" Like, uh, 
I just assume you're like a rich spouse who has it. I'm seeing that film. That's a fair point. So yeah. it's, <laughs> but I'm like they re- like I've never met a person that so perfectly embodies Samwise Gamgee like a role, and it's like your it role. Is, yeah, like, you honestly cannot take their burdens. But you can carry them, like you. You can, you, you know, you you do all Wait, the things. You mean the wife is like, yeah. is like. I was thinking more the deacons, like a Sam Wise game chief. Well, the de- uh, sure, I'm sure the deacon could be, but the wives, damn so the it, wives are, are rosy. Rosy cottons. Is that her name? I don't remember. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> she was a good looker. She was a looker. Um. No, but like that whole notion of like I can't carry your burden, but I, I can't, can't carry, carry you. you. Yeah, like it's a wonderful that, part. It yeah. really is. But it was like I was, so I'm in the middle of this conversation. I was like, wow, that really is like you are carrying your husband's burden with you, aren't you? And and she's like, well, you know, I can't like I can't fight his fight for him at the church or you know in the diocese or you know oh you know with the other deacons or whatever. And she's like, all I can do is love and support him. And I'm like, that's awesome. That that's incredible. The Simon of Cyrene, the the Samwise Gamgee. And I just, you know, in the middle of um, telling the deacons that they were probably going to go to hell, uh, in my third talk, <laughs> I only told him twice. I only told him. Let's twice. just lean into this. <laughs> You're probably going to go to hell. Yeah, right. What did yeah, you I, say? I really leaned into that. I said, uh, I said, you need to remember. I said, do you guys have problems with priests sometimes? And they all start, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I go, okay. Let me just put it this way. What your relationship is like with priests who are hierarchically over you is what our relationship as laity is with you. And I said, and so your role, if you look in sacred scripture, the word priest is not used uh, until, you know, uh, Hebrews to describe Jesus. The word is uh, Kairos, Lord of all, becomes the diakonos, becomes the deacon, the servant of all. I was like, so those are the bookends. Our Lord becomes the servant. And Jesus says, uh, what was the phrase? Uh, Matthew uh, or Mark ten forty five. the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And I said, the moment you stop serving, and start looking to be served, which is very human and is totally bound up with pride and is very natural thing to do. Look at the occasion when the two apostles are saying, let us sit one at your right, one at your left, and you enter into your kingdom. Like they were doing the very human thing. Mm-hmm. I said, but remember, whenever your arrogance uh, usurps your role as a deacon to build yourself up, you are taking, imagine you're grabbing a big rock. And you're slamming it right down in front of you so that your parishioners stumble and fall on their way to heaven. That's what you're doing. You're creating a stumbling block, a scandal on. And I said, and that same rock becomes a nice paver stone on your road to hell. And I want you to understand you are all very liable to hell if you keep doing that. And it was like. And then I looked over at this really old guy in the front, and I go, especially that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was awesome. And he looked at me, he goes, huh? And he was wearing a mask, and he was sitting at a table all by himself. And I was like, and I don't even want to stop it. I'm sorry, sir, but you got to (laughs) go. But then at the end, (laughs) that was the beginning of the talk. (laughs) That was the beginning of my third talk. And then at the end, uh, I was just going through, and we were talking through the burdens of of the diaconate. 
and the different things that that they experience and how to get past them to be the diakonos, the servant of all. And then I just said, your, your task is impossible, so let's just pray, Heavenly Father. And it was like one of the most, uh, for me, honestly, like it was uh, one of the most genuine, like heartfelt, like, guys, you really can't do this alone. We really do need to be like constantly praying with and for each other. And so we prayed for about 10, 10 minutes, you know, just prayed over the deacons. That's and, really cool. And their wives. I think at one point I called them the Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, yeah, it was an intense moment. But, like, I feel exactly what you're talking about, right? Like, a lot of those deacons in that room are enemies with each other. They're enemies with yeah. their bishop and the priest. They're enemies with the laity. Because we're human in politics and, and, and uh, unforgiveness and all of that stuff. But it's like, okay, well, here's this mission and here's this fellowship. And mm-hmm. we claim to want to do both. Maybe mm-hmm. prayer will unite the two, you know? Prayer, mission, yeah. fellowship, and learning. Damn. To hear all this and more, $100 a month at patreon.com slash CF. <laughs> I, I edited the Deacon's Talks, and uh, I'll put them in the... If you're a Patreon supporter for $2 or higher, you get to hear me yeah. telling Deacons they're all going to go to hell. Yeah, uh, well, let's let's have that, up that the tent. <laughs> <laughs> it is Lent. It is Lent. <laughs> you, be giving more. you should sacrifice. Listen, if you give us $10, the Lord will give you... Actually, the Lord will take away $10 and give it to us. Anywho. Uh, but no, the the best part of the deacon's talk is we're about to do the the second talk, and I look up and I see the line, and there's two doors, and one's for the men's room and one's for the women's room. The women's room has no line in it. The men's room still has like ten people, and I go, "You can tell the age of your deacons when the men's room line is longer than the women's room." And then uh, the, everyone started laughing because I realized because it takes old guys forever to pee. And then this one guy goes, I can't believe you just said that <laughs> in the talk. And I go, yeah, well, you can hear the guy right now in the back of the line. I'm trying. <laughs> and they lost. It was fun. It was fun. It was fun oh, talking awesome. about pee and swollen prostate glands. <laughs> Not prostate, you idiot. Probate. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with my brain <laughs> one word what triggers one word triggers so many things <laughs> do you know how many times i've thought about that scene like multiple times <laughs> like, uh, look, i think we had i think this is a good conversation i think it was 10 times better than yesterday to the point where i don't even want to use yesterday's at all <laughs> you just hear well yesterday we're just like oh god I war. Know. yesterday was awful oh <laughs> Nuclear the funniest war. You know what happened, Luke? I, I am <laughs> because of that conversation. I walked upstairs, and I, I went to the old antiwar.com bookshelf that I have. Books that I bought when I was from, and now I'm, I'm holding in my hand twenty five red pages of uh, Andrew Basevich's Washington Rules. And yea, though we're all going to die, I'll be affirmed in my ideas that this is wrong. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Andrew says. <laughs> That's the nuclear fireball killing me. <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. I need to finish this audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, Lord. I'm not ready to go. I, I need, need to, to figure out how, how the star thing ends. I need to know how Galaxy Luke hasn't ends. taken out an insurance policy on me yet. Wait. <laughs> Oh, that Dayton Airfield, that's going to be the first to go. Oh, yeah, it's definitely top ten. That's, uh... Well, the good news about that is there is an audiobook 
of of the expeditionary force where Dayton is literally attacked and the U.S. government nukes it to kill the aliens. Oh, great. Good. Well, actually, that's where they, I believe, one of the... uh, Old, uh, I don't know what you would call them. Like the conspiracy, uh, the conspiracy theories that people used to have is that in Dayton, Ed Wright Pat is one of the alien ships or aliens or something like that. Oh, that's beautiful. So yeah, yeah. Oh man, sometimes like I miss church on ministry stuff. I really do. I I I just think I just need to do it on my own. <laughs> and because like I, I get that bug for it. Where I'm like, oh god, I just want to like you know bring people together, just do some stuff and um. It, but there's just nothing like I just I don't know not to always steal things from Catholic stuff, but that line they shared about the one I forget who has it may be a John Henry Newman quote where like the true mark of a Christian is the one who suffers within the church. Oh yeah, that sounds like a John Henry Newman quote. <laughs> it's scary. I, it's so true though. Like it's so true. Like just thinking about like like how often do we crap on deacons or crap on priests and crap on on bishops and they're just like. It's like, hey, become a bishop. Here's a job where everyone will hate you and you can have zero friends. Enjoy. Oh, and please don't go into a lot of debt or we'll all just, you know, kill you. Yeah. Which oh. is literally what happened to one in Cincinnati. They tried to kill him because the bank failed. Tried to kill him? Yeah. Back in the late 1800s, there was a bishop. Uh, I forget which one, but his brother was a Monsignor or, or, or something. And Catholics couldn't get on loans at banks because they were all Roman Protestants. Mm. So... The diocese started their own bank. Everyone got loans, and then like I forget, I forget what economic event in the eighteen um, seventies, but a super bad depression happens. They lose all of their money, and people went to the bank and they tried to like kill the bishop because they couldn't get their money. So he had to be like escorted out of town every night. Yikes! And like, and, like a carriage, like the, the, the carriage is in the basement of the cathedral, I believe, or the seminary. I forget which which one. It's still there. I mean, it's not like it's just there because they need a place for it to go. Um, and uh, they ended up paying everyone back, but it, not till the like, early part of the 20th century. <laughs> so they paid everyone that lost money, got it back. But it just like because it was just like this, like ruined the country for a bit. And they just but like it just was horrible. So that's why in our diocese, uh, you I think I talked about this on the episode with the, the big and delight stuff. Um think this is public knowledge but like i don't see why it would be that's why like the diocese doesn't actually own parishes so people if they wanted to sue the church they couldn't like sue like i'll sue the diocese because i know that like saint basil or whatever has you know blah 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 blah. i'll get my money well no the diocese doesn't actually own the assets of the parish they roll over to the next uh parish yikes the more you know all right, Luke, you have a good night. And special thanks to our sponsors, Athletic Greens, Thesis, oh. Executive Coach Solutions, and Woo. the Catholic Card Game Escape Room. <laughs> <laughs>